Welcome to the Desire to Trade podcast, the podcast helping you develop Forex trading skills for more freedom. I'm your host, Ethan Kreit. We are in episode 129. Let's get started right away. Joining you today from Siem Reap, where I'm about to leave. I'm going to be leaving in about two days for Vietnam. And it's been a great time here in Siem Reap. It's something that I did not expect could be that way. But that's why you have to experience it for yourself. And you cannot rely on watching TV to know what a country looks like. Just for a quick update, I'll be going to Ho Chi Minh City next week in Vietnam. And if you guys are in the area, you know the routine. Just let me know, email me. And it's always a pleasure to meet up with people and to do videos and to make the most of it. So I would really appreciate. Now to get back to today's podcast. I had to share this one here. Last week was an interview with Tom and Brandon from Two Blokes Trading. I think it was awesome. Today I want to share another training from Mandy Prasenjani, the training psychology coach and I that we did. Those are YouTube live that we do pretty much every week. So if you don't want to miss one, go ahead on YouTube. Check out thisartotrade.com for slash video. You won't miss any from now on. The podcast is always still a good way to learn on the go. And that's pretty powerful. We did a YouTube live last week about what it takes to make money trading. One of my goal with that video was to kind of bring things back in the right place. Where a lot of people try to flip really small account into big account and make a living from a small account. And that's kind of what most people get trading for. So I won't complain on that. It's totally fine. But you can waste a lot of time trying to flip a small account to a big account and in the end just lose everything, which is not what we want. We want to help you guys grow faster. And so that session with Mandy really has some big keys on psychology. And as always, we answer some questions about what we do and what we look for in the market. So really powerful and there's been a really good, good response on YouTube. So let me know your thoughts as always. I won't talk further and let's jump right into the training session. Welcome, Mandy. Uh, hello, everyone. Yeah, it's uh, 40 degrees in Melbourne, <laughs> and I'm sitting in front of my heater, sorry, in front of my fan, and in front of my aircon. So let's hope you survive that hour. After that, I'm going to go to the beach. Yay! <laughs> but first of all, um, thank you to um, the people who sent us the questions. We are going to try to answer all the questions as much as possible. Etienne was talking about in a video, you know how he does those little um, videos, those five-minute videos, and he was talking about how you can make $100 or $200 a day in trading Forex. And he based it on $25,000. And then this guy, real estate investor, had a very strong opinion. <laughs> I really love those strong opinions. Everybody who's following me on Twitter also knows that I got challenged by Guru Leaks, and, you know. When you know your stuff, when you know who you are, you just laugh about it. So let them talk whatever they want to talk. The guy actually raises a really good point, And I love the topic today because this is something that happens a lot in the trading industry. Number one, the guy's totally missing the point because what Etienne was talking about was a concept, a framework of trading. And he explained how you can make one or $200 a day, and he gave the concept of it. Now, you can take any concept and multiply that. So if you do what Etienne was talking about, this framework, those you know five steps, and you double the input, then of course, you get double the output. So it doesn't matter if you make $100 and $200 a day or $1,000 and $2,000 a day, because it was all about the concept, the framework. So, But yeah, so the, the, the point is not so much about 
how much money you can make because of course you can multiply and make a lot of money trading but the point is more that you need some capital to make money and you cannot like make a hundred dollar a day on two hundred dollars that's impossible and that's what most people want to see or want to hear about and maybe you want to go to some realistic expectation and i was just listening this morning to a wonderful audiobook called daily trading coach i'm sure Wendy, you've listened to that in the past you've read that no i didn't <laughs> from resting bogger so really we can yeah. and i'll put a link below after that yeah, but, Brett is a different style than me, so I don't want to be another Brett, so I don't get into his stuff, but good he's good. Yeah, good it's not, but yeah. One thing he was talking about is the fact that the best portfolio manager at the place he was working at as a psychologist are like really, really good if they make 20% per year. And that for most traders would bring off a lot of pressure because most people, they want much more than that. And people thinking that they can do more than that, they can surpass all the fund manager by being at their, at their own on their laptop and trading. That's nonsense. That doesn't make any sense. So I kind of want to tie this back to having your expectation, which we talk about a lot, but maybe you can uh, go deeper on that. And maybe, maybe you've seen people who had like to have an expectation and they want to make like a million with 200 bucks. So how do you bring them back to like having realistic expectation? See, and, and that's the this, thing. This is really tough. Like this is a tough one. Like, uh, even from in the past. It's easy, Etienne. And that's the thing, like talking about that is only the surface level. What we need to do is we need to actually go underneath and beneath you know, the surface and find out what is the driving factor, what's the driving motivator of people having unrealistic expectations. Because, I mean, we see that everywhere written, you know, you have to have realistic expectations, target 20% a year rather than 20% a day. We see those messages, but nothing changes still. We still get those um, messages like this idiot on or shouldn't be judgmental, like this guy who said that it's not enough. So we need to address what's underneath that. Now, the thing is, you know, of course it's possible to make much more money with a $25,000 account than the 1% or 2% return that Etienne was talking about. The question is, is it sustainable over a longer period of time? And if you look at the reality of trading, that there is still about 80% of traders who never make it and who consistently create losing years, losing months, that tells us a lot, right? Now, the reality is that the reason why most traders never succeed is because they want to go for the big shots rather than starting small and building on that. And you know, you're right, even Tony Sycamore, um, a friend of mine that you interviewed, he goes for like half a percent, you know? And he is an ex-Goldman Sachs trader. He was super, super successful until Goldman Sachs unfortunately had to close down the offices here in Sydney due to the Dodd-Frank um, regulations. So that, that was a bit heartbreaking for everyone, but you know, reality as well. So you can see that all the big guys do go for the smaller percentages because it's all about risk management. And he said to me, you know, if, if I would create like, I don't know, five, 6% drawdown, I would be in trouble. You know, my uh, Goldman Sachs would not put up with that. And when I trade, when, when I work with traders one-on-one, -on -one, they do like six, 7% drawdown a day, <laughs> you know? So something is wrong here in the equation. There is a reason why the insta traders are performing on a very different level than the retail traders. Now, you also need to acknowledge that when you have a trading manager, when you're trading in a firm, you have a very different setup. You have a very different support mechanism. And you have also benchmarks. You can see how other traders perform. Whereas for the retail traders, they don't have this 
comparison. You know, so often my traders, they are judgmental of themselves. They are disheartened because they think they're doing really badly, but it's because they don't have any comparisons, any benchmarks. They don't know how other traders are doing. When I show them that they're actually doing really well based on the progression where they're at, it's like, wow, this big revelation. And I can tell you, most traders are there already 80%. It's the 20% that they never master, that they never breach because of those unrealistic expectations. And I remember Steve Ward in, in one of his trader mind trainings, he's talking about the J curve, right? So it's, it's like a J where you start trading, you go downhill with your P&L, and then the goal is to start improving your equity curve. So he's talking about the equity curve, right? That's the J curve. And if your equity curve doesn't go in a J curve, and, you know, within the J curve, of course, the ups and downs, like an uptrending market, much like, you know, the S&P 500 at the moment, then there is something you need to work at. Yeah, that's feedback for you. That's something that you have gaps in your trading, in your trading strategy, in your trading behavior. And then the triggers to drill down into what is not working. Now, again, what I said before is what we need to look at is what is underneath those unrealistic expectations. Because, you know, everybody knows what to do, but it's the doing what we know that is hard. That's also a saying that came from Steve Ward. I want to credit him for that. And it is so true. Everybody knows how to lose weight. But look at the obesity problem that we have in Australia and I think all over the world as well. Look at the financial problems people have. They know spend less than, than you earn and yet they spend more than they earn. So what is going on here? I think we need to get back to the, the chat because a lot of people are just commenting and joining us right now. So welcome, guys. Oh, okay. Welcome, uh, Mariana. Welcome, on TV Game. Welcome, Paladin. And welcome, King If you have any comments you want to address, then go ahead with that. There's a lot of cool comments. So NTV Game is saying, I'm taking larger risks now because I want to, well, because my account is small and I want to grow it. And once it grows, I'll reduce the risk, which I think can be fine to some extent, depending on how much you risk, of course. You never want to risk too much. But that, that could be a good approach. And, you know, NTV Games get a little bit of an insight into your mindset already because, you know, you've been with us for quite a while and you do have the mindset already to take greater risks, right? It is also growing into someone who can withstand greater risks. And so it's not just the strategy. It's also your mindset, who you are as a trader, where you are in your trading journey, what your life circumstances are like when you are in your 50s, 60s. You can't take the risks that you took when you were in your 20s, right? Simply because you won't have enough time to make up for it. When you have a family with little babies, well, you need to have a very different risk management than when you're a free spirit like Etienne traveling the world, right? So we need to take everything into context. And King George, I'm totally with you here. That was my next point. It is also about risk management. It is not so much about how much we can make per day. It is more importantly, how much we don't lose per day and that you stay alive, that you protect your capital. Again, you know, most who say, oh, you can make much more money. They only think about making money. They don't think about the context. They don't think about the consequences and they don't think about the risk protection. It's like driving a car, right? Of course, I can drive Merck AMG to 300 kilometers an hour. But do I have the skill to drive it? I had driver training. I can tell you I'm glad I had driver training because only when I did driver training 
I realized how dangerous my driving was. Before I did driver training, I wasn't aware of it, right? It was a blind spot. And I thought I'm a really good driver. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, I think most of us think we are good drivers. So everyone should do driver training. And then you realize what level of driver you are. And it's the same for trading. So the other point I want to cover is, of course, what causes us to be risk seekers. So if you look at NDV games, you say you're taking larger risks now because you want to hit the level where you can live off comfortably. If I were to draw down, drill down with you on that, I guarantee you it would come down to wanting to escape some element of life that you don't want to have. You know, you want to have a life that's easier. You want to have a life that's more fulfilled. You want to have a life where you have more choices, where finances, where money doesn't stop you from doing what you want to do. And this was pretty much the, what I meant with uh, last time about what I love about Australian Open. Not everybody can afford to just hop on a flight from Europe and come to Australia and watch the tennis, right? It's really expensive here. So, but many people dream about that. And when they start trading, when they discover trading, that's for them like the only way out to escape their shitty life. And that's when the desperation comes in, the unrealistic expectation. On top of people who show you how you can trade off your laptop by the beach, I've never mastered that. I mean, have you ever thought about why the Insta traders have like an eight screen setup and have Reuters and have Live Squawk, hello Yogi Chen, you know, on Twitter, who have, you know, all the whistles and bells to succeed. And then you think you can succeed with your laptop by the beach, zipping a margarita? Oh, you know, good luck. So this guy, yes, you can make so much more money, but the guys who already make a lot of money, we don't need to talk to them. They have maybe other problems, but not the problems that we address here. So our goal is because Etienne and I, we talk about a lot. What is it that we want to achieve? Our goal is to, number one, help traders to lose money because we see how much money brokers make. And it's, it's driving me mad. I want to help traders to stop losing money and start making money. That's step one. And this is what Etienne was talking about. That was the step one. And then once you're in the J curve, you have broken back into profit. Then we talk about the next steps, how to increase your performance, how to improve better, you know, then to have problems like some of my prop traders. How do I grow from 150,000 a month to 200,000 a month? Yeah, they can talk about making more money return than the majority of traders. So yeah, every avalanche begins with a snowflake. And I hope that you guys start with a snowflake and turn your trading into an avalanche. Love it, love it. Anson Fun, good question. What is the realistic monthly return and yearly return? I have a video on the channel that's like five different traders sharing a return expectation and what they look for in the market. And it goes all the way from like 1% per month to at most 10% per month. And that's like rockstar, that's like high level. So beyond that, you could see it's not sustainable. Yeah. Hello, Mariana. Nice yeah. to see you. Congratulations on your baby boy. <laughs> He's cute. Thank you for sending the photos. Cool. So my answer to that is I have a friend. She is a mathematician and a quant in a hedge fund. And I asked her about that question. So because we get traders who perform in the high 80s, 90s, as well as traders who perform 
in the low 35-40% profit-loss ratios. And we know that profit-loss ratio doesn't mean anything because you can have really big profits and small losses, or you can have really big losses and small profits. So it doesn't give us the scale of the profit and loss. So the results, so based on mathematics, my friend said, the ideal is really the 65%, that's the sweet spot. And the 65% profit loss ratio is based and ties in with a two to one reward to risk or one to two risk reward, right? However, if you are a trader who performs on a high level, who has 80, 85% profit loss ratio. The question I have is how sustainable is that, number one? And that question is based on do you let your losses run and you get lucky because they go back into profit? So it's the MAE and MFE that Alejandro um, helped me with last time that I got wrong way around. But it's really how much does your trade go into a loss before it goes into a profit? Right? So Take that into account when you have your 80-90% profit-loss ratio. If that stays with an acceptable, so if you follow your risk management to the T and you still have 80-90% profit-loss ratio, fantastic. Now, someone who has an 89%, 80-90% compared to 40 or 50% profit-loss ratio has to do different risk management. Yeah, so if you have many, many losses, you need to keep your losses much smaller than if you have only a few losses. So there is no clear-cut answer, but mathematically, the sweet spot is 65% profit-loss ratio, and that's where the two-to-one reward-to-risk comes in. Hope that makes sense. Now, in terms of profits, I love this average. So if you saw one guy on Twitter, he amazing trader, amazing guy, hedge fund guy, was down massively up until August. And then by the end of the year, he came out 50% plus in profit. So you can see that there is no clear cut answer because it's also dependent on the market. Many traders make really good profits now in the equity markets or you know, even in, in crypto because there was just one way up. For the trend traders, perfect market. But the trend traders, they didn't perform when the DEX, for example, did the, you know, sideways market action. Now, you need to know what your strength is. If your strength is a um, reversal pattern trader, like I'm an amazing reversal pattern trader, I'm not so good at trend trading. So I know when the market is in a trending phase, I'm not doing so well. And I'm waiting patiently for the sideways phase when I perform like a world champion. But on the other hand, most trend traders, they don't know. So most traders that don't know where their best performances are, if they perform best in trending or sideways markets. And this is where um, our work comes in at TN in doing the psychometric testing, where we do really deep assessments with you guys, what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. If you're naturally suited for short-term trading or longer-term trading for swing trading. And I love working with Etienne because Etienne and I, we are so different, like the opposite almost. And we can cover everyone in the market. So Etienne is a swing trader most probably not performing so well in the scalping like I do. I can't swing trading for my life, you know, but I'm really good at scalping. And every time I try to be a longer term trader, I don't perform. So I need to make sure that I stay true to myself. 
and don't try to be someone else or get swayed by someone else's opinion and just do what my sweet spot is. You know, sorry, Palatine, that the video is a little laggy. That's, you know, that's life. You know, race car drivers have to deal with car problems, as Steve Ward said once to me. Traders have to deal with technology problems. Tennis players have to deal with the heat here in Australia and injuries on their body. Yeah. Jesus. So to get back to your return, I don't have a fixed return number. I always go back to do your testing. So with Alejandro, we did the risk of ruin exercise. Um, that was amazing. Thanks, Alejandro, again. So he knows exactly how his system performs. So if you have a system that performs, I, I, I know traders, they do make 10% a day, but their system is thoroughly tested. And it's not that he trades by the seat of his pants. It's like he knows the numbers because he does keep an eye every week if his system is still in the sweet spot. Risk of ruin. It's all the data that back how your system performs. And that's what you base your return at, not pulling a number out of your crystal ball and say it should be 3%. It can be anything based on your system. <laughs> Love it. How do you take profit? This is a simple question. I think there are so many ways to take profit, and you have to find the one that you prefer. So Mandy and I are going to have different ways of taking profit. I personally aim for a fixed reward to risk, so let's say 3 to 1, and I take partial profit. So I found this is a way for me to be most comfortable and not interfere with the trade. And at the same time, it makes more money over time because I know I have a big enough reward to risk. I don't have to worry about the ups and downs and the trade that's going to profit go back to loss. So that's my way. Maybe Mandy have a different way. I don't know. Yeah, very different because, again, I, I trade so short term. And, you know, another friend of mine, he's in the market for months, you know. So that is, um, are you already on the scotch? Etienne? <laughs> no, that's green tea. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like scotch. So he's in the market for months, but you know he deals with millions of dollars. So you can't move millions of dollars that easily. What I did, guys, is you know I, when I started out trading, mind you, that was at the time when I had to go to seminars. There was no internet. <laughs> I had to pick up my phone to call my broker. There was no online training uh, trading. So I bought systems and I studied them and I was like, why can't I make it work? But then what I did is I took the goodies, the best pieces out of every system and put together my own system. And it's also tailored for my personality. So what works for me might not work for you, DivPad. And that's why, as I said, I'm happy to tell you what I'm using, but how I'm using it, that's where the trick is, you know. So I don't think it would be useful for you. That's the thing. Yeah. You take one, yeah. you know, take one and piece. And I also take, do the same thing. No, uh, just go. take one piece, take the Bollinger and see, use what your favorite pair is. Let's say it's the Euro. And look how the Euro performs with the Bollinger band on each. And this is how you get to learn what works and what doesn't work. Because if you look at the S&P, for example, at the moment, reversal patterns just, they fail all the time. So not trading reversal patterns on, <laughs> on the S&P. Yeah. So you need to look also what is working at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So context is big here in, in anything. Yeah. And I wish we didn't have to use the context. That would be way easier. And I know there's ways, which I'm kind of testing all the time for my own pleasure. But context is still big when you want to trade uh, whatever thing you want to trade. 
I saw a question earlier that was about, is it easier to swing trade Forex or stocks? I don't know who said this. I think that was naive. Is that possible? I'm not, not sure. Yeah, exactly. So I think, and Mandy maybe can go on that, but but in a different market. And I think fund manager I was talking to told me that hiring in a, in a bank or an institution, all these different places in stocks and option and whatever bond, if you want to trade bond or Forex or whatever, like where you perform best. And then they put you in the, in the right spot to whatever you prefer. And of course, there's some like, I personally go with Forex because of, the, because of the time zone as well. Whenever you travel, really hard to trade stocks, especially if you're going to trade like at night or whatever, that would be really difficult. What do you best at? You want to add to that? Yeah. Again, most they take the answers, pull the answers out of a crystal ball just to keep it clean here. I would like to say something else, but I keep it clean. Look at your statistics. The reason why I trade the DAX predominantly is because my statistics tell me I perform best in the DAX. Now, my statistics also tell me do not touch gold. I, you know, gold, you can make a lot of money in a very short period of time, but you can lose a lot of money as well. So my statistics show me I don't perform in gold. I don't get gold. I don't understand gold. Maybe I need more gold jewelry so that I understand gold. I have no clue, but do not touch gold. That's what my statistics tell me. My statistics tell me that I do really well in the euro and the Aussie dollar, but it tells me also stay out of pound yen because pound yen bad results. And so get your account connected to my FX book or get Edgewonk or, you know, um, get a spreadsheet. Etienne has a spreadsheet that we are um, using for the academy. If they don't have the ability to connect with anything that, that they would like to connect with. So, and then you see where you perform best. It's, um, yeah. And also that's where psychometric testing is so useful. My personality behavioral profile shows that I'm really good at short term. And again, I can't tell my story often enough. I used to be a show jumper on a horse. How is the behavior on show jumping? Very short term. You see an obstacle, you focus, you take that thing, you jump over, you relax. But if you are a marathon runner, I would suggest that you're better at longer term trading. I'm saying because um, a client of mine is a marathon runner. He would not like short term trading. He wants to take his time to prepare, to have his thoughts gathered, to really evaluate everything that could happen. And then he takes his trades. Whereas I, you know, I'm so, my eyes are so trained. I, I see it and I take this thing. I know exactly immediately where uh, my stop losses are and what I have to do, right? So, because I'm so trained in it. So, yeah, there is no right or wrong answer. Find out what you have been doing as a sport maybe, and then you get a little bit of insights as well. If you don't do sports, look at something else. Do you like faster or slower pace in life? Yeah, so the magenta um, colored one was the eight open close. Again, Jake Bernstein is the one who I learned it from. And I found it really useful because the eight open close is almost like a trend. And when, the, when they are far apart, that shows me that the trend is still very strong because what it says is the eight open shows the last opening prices and the eight open shows the last closing prices. So if the open is higher than the close, moving average, that shows that bars on average still open higher then they closed, right? So then the previous bar closed. Oh, I hope I didn't confuse you now because I confused myself. But 
Paladin, I think that must be your, the problem on your end if you lost us. Um, but you can see the recording, then you can make up for the minutes that you lost. So um, again, to get back to the eight open close. So this is why I love the eight open close, because it shows me really nicely when the bars go up. And it shows maybe a reversal pattern like the euro did. But the eight open close is still far apart. I know that the probability of this reversal is diminished. Because when I have a reversal, I want the ape open close be to be close together because that tells me that the trend has weakened because the opening and the closing prices are starting to not be as strong anymore. Yeah, so this is, again, context. Hope that helped, Dev, but so ape open close. There we go. What else do we have? <laughs> yeah. And here's a skill, that, a skill that's really important, and that is the ability to be willing to do experiment and test. Because yeah. like many said, she started to trade everything which she was best at. And that's really important. People, some people are not willing to take risks. Like, and by risk, I mean like trying new things, trying to trade this, that. And you don't need to go all in on everything. You just try stuff out. You see what works best. And that's how you get to improve and find where you're best at. Yeah. So for example, um, I had a chat with Mariana, right? And Mariana, she just loves crypto. And I can see how she loves it and why she loves it. And she's so good at it. Whereas put crypto in front of me and I'm like, really, no, not interested at all. So it also comes down to what your passion is. I love Forex because, you know, I'm from Germany. I lived in Hong Kong. I'm in Australia. I have some amazing Forex friends. So I understand Forex. I have a feeling for it. It's a physical experience with Forex for me. Whereas with crypto, it's like, it's like nothing, right? No idea, not interested. But I don't disqualify or discount Mariana's experience because she loves it. I can see that she thrives on it. She can spend all day on researching it. So find out what you love, what makes you happy. I love the decks. I can feel the decks. The decks to me is like a like you know like my dog when I can see that you know he did something naughty and he he pretends to be everything is good, right? The decks is the same. Decks. Like, for example, the DEX loves jumping points, like 20 points, right? What the DEX does, it does this nice little wiggle on the one minute, and then it jumps. Like, most people wouldn't know about that, right? But because I know the DEX so well, I can have high probability trades in something stupid like a wiggle on a chart. I mean, you know, I don't know if any hedge fund would take me if I would say, I trade wiggles on the DEX chart. There you go. But it works for me. Who cares? And it makes me happy. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Love it. And I think Mariana's going to bring you to the crypto side, but we'll see if that happens. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Good comment from Anson. So basically, since we cannot predict the market, there's no point in technical analysis. Well, that, that, that's not true. Analysis do is it kind of puts the odds in your favor and adds probability to your trade. So if you were to just trade support distance, I don't know how good you would be with that. And I don't know how, if you would be able to get a good reward to which with a good win rate. So the point of analyzing the market and looking at indicators and charts is that you can have more confluence, more probabilities in your favor. And that's the only thing there is to it. You know, I know traders who trade totally with no chart. They look at price yeah, action yeah. only. And I show them my chart and they're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And then they talk to me about their order flow and it's like, I'm lost. I do look at order flow as well. I don't only look at charts. So I, I use them in combination. But I couldn't trade just of order flow like, you know, many, many of really amazing traders do. 
Um, so again, it comes down to how your brain is primed. I'm so visual. I don't have a brain for numbers. Oh, I'm glad that I have friends who are very mathematical and I can ask them when I need to. So look at what your preferences are in terms of how you process information. Alejandro, the, the reality is that most wouldn't understand what the statistical edge to the expert inefficiencies in the market mean. Again, that's, that's very much hedge fund talk. That's how, you know, my Skype group talks. <laughs> you could argue, you know, how could you argue that a um, reversal pattern outside the Bollinger is an inefficiency in the market? So again, that means everything to you, but maybe means nothing to a visual person. And we do forecast. Yeah, we can forecast. I know some amazing forecasters as well, but we can also just trade what we see in the moment. I'm not good at forecasting. When someone asks me, what is your profit target? I'm like, no clue. And you could see that in the way I trade, right? I go like, why does Tim say no live cast today? I can't answer here, unfortunately. I don't know. So you can see that I take it bar by bar, you know, I'm like, oh, we still open higher and we close higher. Oh, we still open higher and we close higher. Oh, now we go sideways. Fine. We're still above my Bollinger. We're still above my moving averages because I know when price has moved a certain amount that it's inevitably has to come back a little. So I am very much a momentum in the moment trader, whereas others that can say I enter here, it's a double bottom, profit target is up here where the resistance is. It's like, doesn't work for me. Works for others. Works for you, Jen, I think, right? Yeah, <laughs> different style. <laughs> yeah. So there we go, guys. That was episode 129 with Mandy Preston, Jenny and I. And let me know, as always, as a feedback, if you like those sessions. I thought it would be really useful to share them here. They provide a lot of great feedback for people on YouTube, but I'm open to your suggestion and we'll probably go back to interviews next week. A little bit of suspense here. Thanks for joining me today. As always, if you want to go more in depth and grow faster, check out the Trade Academy over at disartertrade.com forward slash academy. There I just concluded a 12-week program with Mandy on training psychology and there's some amazing lessons, some things that I personally grew myself by learning about. So do check this out and I'll catch you guys next week for the next episode of the Desire to Trade podcast. Ciao.